Hi, welcome to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I am Lee Campbell-Taylor, the interim pastor here, and Covenant Presbyterian Church is an open, affirming congregation, and we're so glad you found us. Our primary mission is to equip God's people to serve Christ in the world. In our weekly messages, we hope that you'll find inspiration, encouragement, and even challenge for your faith journey. Please listen with us now. There are Bible passages that call for explanation. They need to be dissected and examined for them fully to do their work within us. And there are Bible passages that call for immersion. They're designed to be imaginatively experienced. They enthrall in order to transform. And then there are Bible passages that demand all of that. And today's passage from the book of Acts is one of those. The author definitely intends to plunge into this story. And so I'm grateful to our musicians for immersing us in it. And since the text is loaded with words like bewildered, amazed, astonished, perplexed, it is clear that we're meant to get how overwhelmingly bizarre this event was. And oh, the sensory overload. God is putting on a sound and light show. From heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And this clamor is quickly followed by something like flames dancing above each believer. It's wild. But we also need to step back from the immersive experience to dissect and examine the text and its context in hopes of comprehending how it demonstrates God's deeds of power, even as it nudges us to recall those deeds, discern those deeds, share those deeds, and yes, even participate in those deeds of power that God is doing. So let's examine some basic data. Who are these people to whom this happens? Well, right before this passage, the author notes that there were about 120 Jesus followers in Jerusalem. And biblical scholars see those as the people to whom the Pentecostal fire is distributed by God. We know some of them by name, the 12 disciples minus Judas, but plus his brand new replacement, Matthias. They were there. And Mary, Jesus' mother, is named as being present with some of her other children. The women who went to Jesus' tomb, recorded in the various gospels as Mary Magdalene and another Mary, Joanna, Salome, seems likely they were there. And Cleopas, one of those whose eyes were opened when Jesus broke bread at a supper table in Emmaus. Maybe Cleopas was there too. Along with about a hundred others, perhaps folks who were present on the banks of the Jordan River when the Holy Spirit descended upon the freshly baptized Jesus. Perhaps folks who were among the thousands fed by Jesus and taught by Jesus. Perhaps folks healed by Jesus, touched by Jesus, perhaps folks in the crowd when Jesus entered Jerusalem to shouts of Hosanna, perhaps folks in the crowd when Jesus was condemned by cries of crucify him, 
perhaps folks who saw the horror up close, wailing women whom Jesus spoke directly to as he was being led to his crucifixion. Perhaps folks who were praying in the temple when Jesus died and the curtain was torn in two. And surely this 120 Jesus followers includes folks who encountered Jesus during the miraculous days between his resurrection and his ascension. That's the who, but why are they still in Jerusalem on this, the 50th day since that Easter morning? Well, because Jesus told them to stick around specifically to receive the power of the Holy Spirit which would enable them to be his witnesses near and far. So, the full diversity of disciples, all ages, genders, are present to receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them that Pentecost day so that they can tell the world about Jesus' life and ministry, death and resurrection, ascension and everlasting love. And sure enough, when they start talking, what is it that's heard from these spirit-drenched Galileans? Well, as the crowd says, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. This crowd of listeners is the other set of people present on that long ago Pentecost, devout Jews from every nation, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Mesopotamia, Rome, Cretans, Arabs, in other words, from north, south, east, and west. Now, because this text mentions this broad Jewish diaspora gathered together and understanding one another, Pentecost is sometimes viewed as a reversal of the Tower of Babel the story that Keen just read to us. Those ancient people who united in a construction project intended to reach all the way up to knock on heaven's door. Those ancient people whom God dispersed when, as in the Garden of Eden, they presumed to breach the boundary between human and divine. Those ancient people whose common language was confused by God so that they could not understand one another's speech, their descendants are now enabled by God to understand the good news. And yet Pentecost isn't a reversal of Babel, because whereas the Babel story imagines people all speaking one language, Pentecost celebrates the diversity of language. It's a celebration of diversity, hear that. Rather than homogenizing that diversity back into one common tongue, God works through the diversity, reaching more people because of the diversity. To tell of God's deeds of power, the Holy Spirit empowers those faithful Galileans to speak the languages of all those people who seemed so different from them. Thus, Pentecost demonstrates God's deeds of power. I mean, surely connecting us with one another is among God's greatest deeds of power.
Okay, enough with dissecting and examining. Let's get back to immersion, because in a few minutes, this service will culminate in communion, the sacrament that creates a shared experience of God's deeds of power. More on that in a moment. First, imagine with me that there in the holy city of Jerusalem, your attention is suddenly caught by a sound like heaven's own whirlwind, and then something like fire invades your personal space, and you hear yourself speaking Japanese, or Swahili, Cherokee, or Hindi, Hebrew or Greek. You hear the sound, you see the light, you feel the spirit, and you start saying words you've never said before. And in your excitement, you're so loud it draws a crowd, and they all understand you. And so you know that this wild, holy hubbub is nothing less than the spirit of God. And so you do the only suitable thing. You start telling those gathering people all you can about God's deeds of power, how God has transformed your life and can transform their lives and will transform the entire blessed world. Now, maybe you aren't thinking in terms of the ancient prophecy of Joel, but yeah, that fits. Because through the power of the Holy Spirit, you are bringing the ancient words to modern life. It will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, which means folks will tell the wonders of God's love. And so, as you are recounting God's deeds of power, you are becoming part of an ancient promise as it is being kept by God. You are participating in the furtherance of understanding. Church, I wonder if that is our work. If the deeds of power in which God yearns to make use of us have to do with understanding. Because, Lord have mercy, that is desperately needed. I mean, <laughs> these language barriers overcome on that long-ago Pentecost morning are quaint compared to those that stand in the way of understanding one another today. And these barriers have gotten so much worse so rapidly. I mean, just a decade ago, our thorniest language barriers were probably between bleeding heart liberals and bootstrap obsessing conservatives. But now, the forces that seek to divide us are supercharged by deception, denial, disinformation, and I think worst of all, dehumanization. Can we ever understand one another well enough to talk with others about God's deeds of power? Last week, Alison Kaufman forwarded to me an article that David French had written in the Atlantic magazine about gun safety measures that might actually have bipartisan support. It was interesting and helpful. But in that article, there was a link to another piece by Mr. French 
that was probably more important for me to read. You see, the latter was French's discussion of why he and his wife each carry guns and advocate, reasonably, for the Second Amendment. That article was important for me to read because it managed to help me understand a different perspective. Church, I think that's our work, to seek, to understand, and to build understanding between people who are different in whatever way. And especially in today's climate of discord, it will take deeds of God's power to achieve that. And so, as I said, we come to this table where all are welcome, even those we don't understand, even those we don't like. We come to this table where we recall God's deeds of power, creating a universe, calling a people, sending a son, where we discern God's deeds of power, gathering us together, feeding us in body, mind, and spirit, reassuring us of the always with us spirit of God, where we are strengthened to share God's deeds of power, providing food for those who are hungry, building shelter for those who are homeless, caring for those who are in pain, and where we are nourished to even participate in God's deeds of power, praying for the world, giving of our very selves for the sake of justice, and telling of God's love to a world that really needs to understand. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Covenant Presbyterian Church podcast. I invite you to visit our website, covpresatl.org. That's C-O-V-P-R-E-S-A-T-L.org. There you'll find current worship information, links to our live Sunday morning streaming service, and our full archive of recorded services. You'll also find out more about us and how to get in touch. I wish you well in these strange times. God is with us. Grace and peace to you.